This is Jesse Hensley. And this is Josh Turner. Welcome to Turn Down for What? All right. Turn Down for What? Once again, we are here in the beautiful mountains of East Tennessee, getting ready for fall, feeling temperatures finally broke outside. So it's going to warm up again this week. But yeah, it's going to warm up, up again, but I have my I think plans. most of the United States is really hot right now, but where we're landing, it's actually quite nice. Yeah. So. so, well, it, it could be better, could be worse. And, uh, you know, some places they give extra incentives, some they don't. So that's going to be our first topic today as we roll into our news. Let's talk about Colorado giving you $6,000 if you want to buy a brand new EV. If you're trading in, I guess, a gas guzzler or gas anything, you get $6,000. And if you are going for a used, gives you $4,000. But that also goes towards a PHEV. Do you know what a PHE? A plug-in hybrid. Oh, there you go. So uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how, who was at Ford made an announcement that they're also going to be looking at the plug-in hybrid. And I think uh, there's a couple companies already that have that plug-in, get 50, 60-mile range. That way you can use it around town. You're not really sucking a lot of energy off the grid. And then when you need to go on a trip, you have it. Obviously, you've got, what, three different types of systems in a vehicle that way. Hopefully, they can get that down to two. And if they they can do that, keep the cost down, that's probably pretty good. But if you live in that area, that added to the $7,500. You're getting 13 grand off of it. 13 grand. Now, that's not bad at all. I mean, on a $50,000 vehicle, that's. What's the lowest? I think that uh, lowest cost right now is the Kia. That little Kia. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think 000, it's the cheapest so. the, the cheapest EVs that you'll find are thirty five to forty. And that so range. let's just say you got forty, that puts it down to like twenty seven, oh, twenty seven, twenty eight thousand, and uh, that would be a two hundred mile or two hundred twenty mile range. Yeah, so it, it's not like you're going to be going back and forth without a lot of headache that way. But, but some still, of the base Teslas are like forty five to fifty, and that I can range remember and, when they came out, it was thirty five back in my day. Yeah, so back in uh, the day, back in the day. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so that's actually, you know, for Coloradians, is that the correct way of saying Coloradians. That'll be corrected soon. Uh, that, that, that's good. I mean, it's uh, their money. They can do how they want to. They're trying to push the ind- that industry in their area. Um, still, you got to have the charging networks. I think that's the key to it. Yeah, uh, I mean, we spoke to some. Not going to go there until you can charge. Yeah, so. and we spoke to some Colorado uh, Department of Transportation people a few oh, we weeks did. ago, yeah. and yeah. Um, it seemed. I mean, obviously they're doing all the same federal funding stuff that's going on, but it seems like a lot of their network around the cities is already pretty well developed. Um, it's just some of the rural areas that they're going to be working on, but that funding, like every other state's coming out soon. So in a year's time, two years time, you'll see good infrastructure for that to encourage the adoption further beyond what they have. So Yep. So there you go. That's the first part of our news. Now we're going to kind of roll into Ford again. Uh, Ford announced a few days ago that they are now going to say goodbye to the gas-powered variants of the Escape, Edge, and Transit Connect. Now this is on top of the Fiesta, which was announced a few Weeks ago, maybe a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so. I mean, if you've noticed, I think the that Ford as a whole has realized that their niche is the the trucks and the full size SUVs, <laughs> and you've seen them cut pretty much a lot of their smaller size vehicles out. Um, I think everybody is doing that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of the thing. Uh, would you rather have for the same money if you're not looking much difference a, a larger four door vehicle that you could fit a family in, or the smaller vehicles? And uh, that market is getting very cramped, and if uh, uh, you can kind of either electrify that or move some of those car company or some of those brands out of the way um, and put them into like a, um, well, kind of like the Lamborghini we spoke about last last week. It is a um, kind of a different Lamborghini. It's not the sports car. It's not their, uh, their, their big SUV that they got or smaller SUV that they have. So it's kind of that niche of a hybrid of uh, different use. And what does that due to the rest of your uh, offerings. So this is an announcement Ford has made to discontinue the gas versions and um, kind of bet, bet, I guess, more put more of a bet into those being EVs. I wonder if the same battery plant that's making the Ford in Tennessee is the same batteries that will be used for that one. I think they have a battery plant that's also being looked at in um, Detroit. So, yeah. and I mean, if we like, we were talking about with uh, Christopher a couple of weeks ago. Um, the I think Ford with the 
announcements that they have with the T3, it's probably not just a truck. Um, and he was suggesting that it could be, you know, multi, a, a species of, of vehicles. Well, and they've so, done that recently. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the Bronco, they've they've taken that name Bronco and put it into its own car company, kind of. Yeah. Uh, Mustang. You know, you have that one Mustang that you know I don't really warm up to from a standpoint of what a Mustang is, but you know, it's it's now a brand with under Ford. You have the regular Mustang, and now you have the EV Mustang. That's kind of a different between the two of them. Um, and we won't even get into the very new Mustang, that $300,000 monster that they created <laughs> that is beautiful. But, um, yeah, so uh, has nothing to do with EVs, so we can't talk about it here. <laughs> but Ford also uh, announced a couple days ago that they are uh, rebuilding and offering new Pro Charger 2. So me and you both have the Pro Charger. Um, you know, uh, we spoke about before I had a little issue with mine. Ford was great at taking care of it. Uh, above and beyond to make sure that I was taken care of with that. So this is going to be an improvement to that. So um, they're going to have a detached cable with this one. So good for that. So if you break the cable, you don't have to unfold everything. And, yeah. and, and these pro chargers, they are a direct wire into your system. So mine is on a 100-amp breaker. Um, you have to basically wire that together. Uh, you got a couple hundred dollars there uh, of a good electrician to come in and do the work to mount it. Uh, so if there is ever a problem, say you do run over the, the cord or something, you can't do anything but replace the whole unit. So it sounds like that they've got a, a design that would allow that to be repaired, uh, different options with cellular and Wi-Fi for updates and Ethernet finally. So now you can plug it in instead of having to work with the, um, um, the Ethernet system that they had on it, which for me was a little difficult. In the location that I put it, but I can always run an Ethernet cord. My my one big beef about the the Ford experience as a whole has been the app. You know the the interactivity of the app and the charger. Yeah, I don't have any issues with. I haven't had any issues with the charger as far as just plug and play. But one of the features that they talk about is you know the interactivity of the app and studying um, you know what was delivered. Uh, the how, the energy savings over time, but the app will never connect to the internet, or the the charge will never connect to the internet, um, because I I don't even have that far away from my router. But it seems like in the forums that we're a part of for Lightnings, um, a lot of people have had issues with the chargers, especially with the connectivity of the internet. Um, I think that it's great for delivering power as yep. an infrastructure piece, but I think it's a huge improvement to add in. And you got to remember who has done other than Tesla, who has developed a brand new system like this and then having to use old architecture to create that app interface and then not have it in house for multiple years to develop it. So this, again, it's just like our trucks. It's the first one. And, you know, way before all these other car companies, except for Tesla, who's always been on a pedestal for us of, you know, they did it first, but I would say that their first charging station wasn't the best. I yeah. don't know for sure. I didn't have one, but you always have that experience makes things better in, in that sense. So I think, again, this is kind of like their second version of their truck, the T3 that they're coming out with. What's that going to be in comparison to ours? I said it's going to be night and day. Yeah. Um, I mean, touchscreen and otherwise, I mean, yeah. that's, that's going to be huge. I, I just think that, uh, I mean, I had an issue with mine where I connected it and wired it all properly, but if I run it at full power, it overheats. Um, and I, I just, I'd slightly reduced the amperage on it and, uh, I can manually do that yep. uh, through the app. I was able to get it connected long enough to get that manually reduced. And so instead of, is it 20 amps? I, I think, think the max is 20. It, it, no, it, it's higher than that. I think it's, uh, it's an 80 amp charger, but I don't know if it charges at 80 amps. That's the max. Um, but I um, reduced it, whatever, whatever the metric was, I reduced it by uh, about 15%, 20%. Okay. Um, and I'm still getting all the charges that I need. It's way, still under eight hours. Way yeah. quicker than the, the base, uh, what's the regular charger called? The mobile charger. Um, it's way quicker than that. Um, and it's more yeah, than enough. Yeah, you used your mobile charger for many, many months after you got it. I did. I, I didn't really need the fast charger until I was doing the road trips. Um, and then when we started hitting the road, like last week, um, we came back from Nashville at midnight, 
Um, it was like almost one o'clock in the morning yep. and I had to, I was at 5% charge. Well, the next morning at 9 AM, it was like 8:30 AM. I had to be out of the house, um, doing work all day and driving all day. And so I had to have some charge. Well, I woke up the next morning to 90%, yep. which is where I that, usually and take the charge that's to. Best you can hope for. And that was 1 AM to basically 8 AM. I had everything that I needed. Yep. And so with even the reduction in the power that I have delivered, um, the station shows a little yellow uh, marker on the right side uh, showing that it's reduced power delivered. But that was a manual choice, and I haven't had any overheating heating problems since. When, before that, it would basically charge, and then it would, it would fault, but then automatically reset itself and charge at a high speed and then fault because it just kept overheating. With the, with the charger, it was just overheating consistently. And so with... With the ability to upgrade the systems, hopefully they'll develop um, better infrastructure on the inside to not allow it overheat. Uh, the Ethernet connection would obviously solve the internet connectivity, but maybe improve the Wi-Fi abilities because you know even when my charger's probably 25 feet from my actual router inside the garage door, but it still has connectivity problems. And if I open the door and hold it just right, I can get the connectivity, but it seems like the little wi the wireless chip on the inside isn't isn't well, <laughs> great for that connectivity and, and you can see the investment because you know when ford announced just a couple of weeks ago we even talked about it last week that they created the ford integrated services and then hired peter stern to oversee that development that's exactly what we're talking about and that's a big investment so that's an investment ford's making i've not seen similar for other car makers obviously tesla's in their own world that has those type of people and obviously now with uh, owning x they're going to be able to utilize those software man or software um, teams that oversee uh, that platform to also integrate some of that into the, hit the to their system uh, but for ford you know again it's that investment and this charger here is their next evolution of that process and it's very similar so you got the three-year warranty they've got better temperatures they got better hots um out uh, uh operate in altitude so that's another part too when and i started reading that i was like it's that minor feedback I, I i critique it just because i'm using it and i had issues and i've seen a lot of other people have issues you actually had a full like you know station failure which i haven't seen i mean that's happened some um but i think just in general that's a technology for four that know, can be improved on and um, they have obviously with with this new charger so yeah. that's that's a good thing yeah. you know uh, also they revealed a 180 kilowatt and a 240 kilowatt DC fast charger. Unfortunately, I don't have a picture of that, but we did show a picture a moment ago of the new Ford charger. So uh, that's what you can expect now for uh, Ford uh, users. And I guess you can use it for other CCS um, vehicles. I've, I've not asked anybody if you could use that charger on a non-Ford Are they vehicle. made, are they by America compliant? I, don't know. I don't yeah, think it has to, to do with it. It doesn't matter for those. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. they're only putting those at their dealerships right now. But uh, you never know. You might go down the road sometime and uh, maybe somebody has done a test model and had a few Ford chargers that they've allowed to come out as a test model. If my Ford were. station had a 240 KW charger, I'd be pretty happy about that. <laughs> I don't know if my power bill will. So. <laughs> um, and then lastly, uh, we have... Uh, Either Collin University in Australia, they are now working with a zinc air battery, and they're trying to eliminate the use of lithium-ion batteries. And they're getting uh, some pretty good results out of this. So just put it on your radar that uh, uh, that what they're doing is it's basically a negative electrode, and it's a zinc and a positive that is made to the air. So it's it's basically that transfer of uh, electrons that way, and it. it these have been around for a while, but now that they're able to get it into a small enough package that it can work for this. Now, the applications would be, again, cheaper batteries because you're not using those very expensive um, heavy metals and these uh, exotic metals for your battery. Um, you know, the they're, 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 in the past, there's been a short lifespan of them. So that extension of that lifespan, I think, is the key. So, again, everybody now is really pushing where can we go with this, and I don't think that's ever been the case. You've, you've had pockets of people who have worked in battery technologies, uh, but even at that, I was reading yesterday that uh, the one from Toyota have moved up. So instead of it being 2028, we're now looking at 2025 
for some of these 800 mile range, 10 minute charge systems. So, um, again, show me, yeah. <laughs> prove it. The, the but, system I'm the most excited about around the, the hype around it has been the solid state. I think solid state. Toyota, I mean, that seems like a really solid option, but I think like we were discussing recently, I think it was with Chris as well. Um, we're at the, the big thick TV stage of, yep. of the industry. And that was revolutionary for the time, but look what 15 years did to TVs. Yeah. I saw um, in Sam's the other day, an 85 inch and it was like $1,350 for an 85 inch. Yeah. Everything you could want. And I'm like, God. I think, I think that we are 10 years away from some, some massive things in the battery space that we didn't never thought we could do. Um, and as EVs have become more widely adopted, uh, more than they ever have in, in the past, I think we're now at the juncture where we're going to see a significant um, improvement on research. A lot of people are going to be looking at that and studying it. I mean, it's already happening, but that technology will begin to actually be implemented within the next five years. And I think 10 years from now, we'll see a drastically different game than what we're currently talking about in the space. I think 300 mile range will come and go and we'll see an improvement in that in the near future. All right. That was the news for this week. Now let's switch gears real quick before we get into our guests today and talk about the GMC Sierra. So this has already been announced, so this is kind of a, a, a recap of where GMC is. And, of course, that's under the blanket of General Motors, which also I'm sure a lot of the design is going to come from the Chevy EV, the Silverado design as well. They look very similar. I see some uh, design cues, if you look at the picture here, of the um, of the Hummer EV. You can kind of see on the backside. Uh, there's, there's several things about this truck now. I also have one of these that I've put the uh, deposit down on. I'm kind of lukewarm on it now, uh, just from a standpoint that I really like my F-150 Lightning, and I don't really see a reason to really go to another one yet. So, um, But on this one, when you look at it, obviously I like the look of GMCs better than the Silverados always have just a personal preference thing. I've always felt GMC is better built, but I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the look of the Silverado truck like the gas power truck but then their ev one it it i mean it was all right i liked i liked the look of the newer silverados but the ev one kind of went a totally different direction yeah. um which is its own thing which a lot of car companies went down that vein and created a totally new look but I, you know for me if i'm looking at the ev version i definitely think the gmc kind of has yeah. a sharper look the, the ram looks really good i like the ram um, too well, real sharp. you got two different rams you got the ram that they're kind of showing that they're going to build then you had the concept ram that looked extremely good and was very different <laughs> and i'm like wow that's that's different you could do maybe third row seat in it and then they show what they're making and i'm like yeah you know it's kind of like a wish.com version of the one i wanted so <laughs> hey it um, has good range and yeah. power and and i will say features. that the interior um i got to sit in a, a friend's trx and the interior the leather the way that the interior wrapped around you was so good i mean the the interior space on that one you could definitely tell it was different than u.s made trucks and, and i some, think that might be the actual how fiat come in and said hey here's here's how we do it here's the, the actual Italian release of the ram which this is not even the vehicle we're talking about the actual release of the, the ram the inside looks really nice yeah so, so i mean it's they they they're definitely up in their game in this uh but uh they do have a long way to go because Again, that's where I like our Fords is they were the first. They, they decided to make that investment. And, and uh, for a very – I would have never bought a brand-new vehicle because I've always been told wait two or three years and then get it because they got the bugs out of it. But so far, you know, for at least my, my experience, it's been really good. But uh, the Denali, $100,000 starting out for that. Uh, <laughs> Toes less yeah. than the F-150. It, it does tow less, uh, less not much, the, 500 pounds. So eh, it does have a lot less payload, which is surprising. 500 pounds matter. Well, 500 pounds that, but uh, you're looking at 1,300 pounds for the bed. And uh, Ford's is 2,235. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good amount. Now, is anybody that buys these things really going to use them as a work truck? Probably not. I mean, I have mine i've i've already got dents all over the bed and everything because i do it because it's just a work truck for me but uh so that's really probably not gonna be that big a deal i think some of it is the weight you know uh this truck also has the crab walk to it that's a lot of extra parts in there 
that go into making that system. And when you add that into it, that's just more weight you can't use to haul with or you can't use to put in the bed. So I think some of the design and, and you know, the crab walk is cool, but would I ever use it? It's 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 not like the, the frunk where I'm going to make it go up and down when I get groceries just so I can use it. No, I don't do that. I use it because that's where I put all my junk at. You know, uh, there's good things about it too, because it's kind of hard to break into it. So if you want to put you know, bag of cash or something in it, there's a less chance of it getting grabbed. So we won't get into the details on that one. Um, <laughs> but uh, what do you do with your, yeah, front? what do you do with your front? I'll throw bags of cash in it. So, um, you know, power, very good power, 754 horsepower, 785 foot pounds of torque, some more, it's more very, than the F 150. Very similar. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think relatively it probably will slightly underperform it just because it's heavier. Yeah. Uh, 400 mile range, though. Mm-hmm. That's really good. So it's but what's the have, battery size? 180, it, I 200? Didn't, I didn't get that. I'm, I'm guessing it's the 180 battery. Um, it'd probably be a good thing to look up there. I, uh, the actual size of the battery, I don't know, but 400 mile range, that's going to be similar to that of the, um, a little bit less than what the uh, Cadillac was. What was the Cadillacs? You remember, it was like four fifty, I think. Or? The range was four fifty on yeah, the so, IQ, yeah. Um, but it was one hundred and eighty for its battery. Uh, Two hundred, I think, is the Hummer, and I could be wrong on all these, so don't quote me. Um, so I would say the battery would be the same design architecture that's in the others. Which it says the, the twenty twenty four GMC Sierra. Uh, EV battery size will be 200 kilowatts. 200 kilowatts, so bigger than Lift, that of the Hummer. Well, that makes sense then, because if it's the same Hummer one, the Hummer only gets like 350 out of it. So this would be lighter than it is because of the size. Um, I don't know if it has aluminum for its panels. I don't think uh, Chevy has done that yet. So you have that extra couple hundred pounds that you're hauling around that's just for the body. Um, so, you know, it is their choice, or it is their jump into that market and it looks good it performs not as good as some but in the area that i like which is range i like the 400 better i'm I'm kind of a range snob i would rather have more range than buttons and goodies i'd rather have everything else plain jane and have more range but yeah um the the question is um you know I, i think from what i've heard they're only dropping their denali first yeah. And then and then they'll drop the lower price models. Yeah, so you're you're spending that hundred K right off the bat. You're not gonna get a break in it. And you know, there's gonna be a lot of them sold and that four hundred mile range helps. I would say real world would be three fifty, three forty, knowing what I know. I just think that it, the wisdom for these manufacturers is to find a way to make a vehicle like Ford did, um, but to make a vehicle that can fall under the federal tax requirements because one of my largest attractions to buy my truck was the fact that I got 8,000, you know, in tax bucks back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a gigantic thing. And that those incentives are still available, but with the affordable care act, it limited the MSRP to 80,000. Yeah. Um, and you're seeing all these manufacturers announce these 90, well, $120,000 vehicles. And yes, there's a market for that. They're but there's, out. It ain't going to matter. Though. Yeah. But there's more people out there that are looking to buy something that's sub 80,000 then that's looking to buy north of 80000 And when you add all these things into it with the crab walk and all these extra parts and pieces, my guess is it's going to be very but hard the Ford, to get that the, price the, down there. The Lightning Pro has been sold out ever since it's released because it's gigantically um, desirable. And, I mean, it's the $50,000 version, but the XLT. Gigantically. Gigantically. But it's one of those things that the, the XLT has been very popular because it's the price. And I think that if you oh, man, if I could have got the if I could have bought the XL base version the at pro thirty nine thousand with yeah. the extended battery, which would have put it at forty nine thousand with no bells and whistles, but had the three hundred and twenty five mile range or three thirty with no other bells and whistles on it, I would have grabbed that in a heartbeat. So I got forty nine thousand. I think there, if I'd you had grabbed. every dealer, every OEM looking at a fifty thousand dollar, three fifty to four hundred mile range base truck oh it'd sell out that's why you don't want that because you want to make that cash yeah i mean <laughs> the, the margins are going to be better when you can add a, a you know a 500 speaker system and sell the vehicle for ten thousand well and it more. doesn't help the fact that interest rates are so darn high right yeah. now that you're going to be spending on that vehicle 300 extra dollars today to or more to have that payment versus when it was at three percent so. i just think that a lot you know i think that the if the car manufacturers want to encourage adoption they need to drop 
more options that fall between 50 and 70. I mean, you can go all the way up to 80, but make sure that the the MSRP lands at 79,999. Even at the price that Ford has right now, they lost $4 billion last year. But I mean, that, that's heavily tied around to their infrastructure investments. Yeah, yeah but you still have to recoup all of that over time. I, I, I think it's a hard game for them right now because me and you both can look at a, an F-150 regular and then any EV, no matter what it is. You're not going to make that EV cheaper than a truck that you've built for 25 years, no matter what car company you are. The traditional truck's going to be cheaper. You already got everything in place. You got to, you, you know, you're not buying your batteries from somewhere else and having to get heavy metals and all these other things. And so I think it's the, the hard part is doing what Tesla has done, which is what Ford I think is copying or not copying. They're, they're doing their own way forward, which the announcement of we're going to have less moving parts. We're going to have less pieces and parts to build that particular truck, less time taken to put the truck together. And that's what Tesla has done. When you look at their huge rear subframe that they've designed for their vehicles, it's poured out of aluminum under one, poor it's extremely hard to do that and they have spent wads of cash to get this technology that would allow that to have one subframe that once it's done you have no more welding you have no there it is you're done and that speeds up production that lowers that cost for that one piece just say that one piece represents one third of the price of your vehicle and you lower it by 20 percent. that's a huge savings and i think that mindset is kind of where Ford is looking at and it's going to trickle down to everybody. Everybody's going to see it and they're going to say, how can we, that's why everybody's building back uh, battery factories right now. That's why Tennessee has General Motors and some of these others here and Tennessee has Ford that's coming in with theirs and Volkswagen is because, well, now they're making their own batteries. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they weren't, they, they did not think that was going to be the direction that they needed to go until tesla's like hey hold hold my beer watch what i can do yeah and now that they've shown that it is not only profitable but also here's the cost of ownership afterwards that cost of ownership is great especially for us you know we both i'm at 30 or 26,000 miles or so when you do the calculations it is 33 3400 i've saved in gas uh cost and that's directly against the cost of a truck that if I bought a Raptor would be a same price truck, but I'd have had additional monies even gas, higher than yeah. that for gas. Cause yeah. I think they only got like 15, 14, 15 miles a gallon. So, um, you know, when you do an apples to apples comparison to say a Raptor, I'm quicker, I'm cheaper and have less moving parts. And I've had probably as many or less problems than I would have had if I had one of those. So and your maintenance costs are nothing because there's no oil changes. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I mean, don't tire rotations. I got to do. <laughs> yes, which is something that we you definitely have to do. So anyway, uh, GMC, great truck. I think it's going to be a great truck. Uh, we've I've owned several GMCs as work trucks growing up, uh, doing our grading and demolition. So um, kind of interested to see what happens with it. Um, and uh, good luck with that new vehicle don't say when it's coming out i think it said 2024 yeah. so late next year i'm sure the orders will um, open up soon and then yeah because i've already got mine in as soon as it came up we'll see what happens with it and that's probably one of the few i'm just going to say goodbye to and not you'll drive a cyber truck in a gmc i don't know and a lightning I, i'll drive the ram the cadillac i'd say the, and I, the, I'd lightning. Say the i don't know if the cyber truck is going to be kept or not i'm 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 still on defense on it if it's a 350 mile range i'm probably not going to keep it yeah i wish they would let you defer until the 500 came out but yeah so that's and and again it might i don't know i i my gut feeling is that uh um and i just got an email just as we're talking to this ford motor company has adjusted they're charging prices through Electrify America. So that's something we'll research to talk about later. So there you go. Uh, something new always coming up in something like that. So, <laughs> uh, but that is all of our news and car manufacturing spotlight for today. And we have a guest coming up next. We'll take a break. Be right back. All right. We're back. Uh, we have Nick on the phone from New Hampshire. Are you there, Nick? Yes, I am. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show. Um, you drive a Mustang Mach-E, is that correct? I do. It's a 2022 uh, premium extended range currently. How do you like that vehicle? I really enjoy it. Um, it drives well, it's quiet, uh, it, it, it checks all the boxes for me. Yeah, so, I mean, what, what, what were you driving before you kind of entered the EV space? 
So before getting into the EV space, I was just driving um, a Jeep uh, Cherokee. Um, it was like a 2014 or something along those lines. Uh, it was getting up there in age. It uh, had about 125,000 miles on it. And uh, I was looking to, to upgrade and it just seemed to make sense to go electric at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Ford announced the uh, Mach-E and I think a lot of traditionalists when it comes to Mustangs were scratching their head like, <laughs> ah, is that a Mustang? But I, uh, I've gotten to ride in one and it's, I mean, it was the first really EV experience that you got to have with the, within Ford. And uh, it's a, it's, I mean, it's more powerful and faster than most Mustangs. I mean, all Mustangs except for obviously the ones that are souped up. Um, as far as the uh, the sportier one goes, you have a premium. And What's the zero to sixty on that? Do you know? Uh, if I remember, that's in like the low fours, like four and a half, four point eight, something like that. And it's the GT one that goes like three point five. Yeah, with the GT with the performance package uh, gets you into that into that mid threes range because they got the bigger motor up front and, uh, the performance package comes with the, uh, the summer tires. Yeah. And I mean, uh, obviously I don't think that that's the, uh, end all be all, but I mean, I, uh, both Jesse and I, uh, drive F-150 lightnings and, um, getting into the space, you know, I, I came from just a traditional F-150 and the first time I got to put the pedal to the floor, it was, life-changing <laughs> yeah i've even been around yeah, vehicles like that but i mean even at that i've i've had i've been i've sat in some very fast vehicles and that truck actually beat most of the stuff i've ever used or and raced. it's just totally, a totally different experience i have a buddy that has a supra um and you know he he has it souped up and it, i mean it can go zero to six in like 3.8 so it's like a hair faster than my truck but that thing whines and screams to get there and you know for my truck it's just absolute silence zero to 60 and that's just a experience so smooth so effortless and just so much torque off the line it's it's and insane. If, if you're looking if you're looking for just straight line uh speed and you want to be the fastest person in the world, I would say a lot of these EVs aren't, aren't really going to win you that quarter mile, right? But it's that it's that initial launch that, especially me, come, this being my first EV, that, that initial launch where it kicks you back in your seat, uh, you know, that's, that's not anything I was experiencing in a, in a, in a V6 Cherokee. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, the ability for electric to provide that, that higher level torque, I still, it's on the bucket list. Um, we've talked about this a couple of times, but it's on the bucket list to get in the lucid air, uh, Sapphire because that zero to 60 is 1.8, uh, <laughs> or lower. It might yeah. be lower than that, but yeah. So it's, uh, now, and then I think to your point too, on the upper side of the quarter mile is kind of difficult because on a closed track, you know, my truck only goes up to 107 miles an hour and it stops that don't matter where you're at. If you're going on a closed course is where we did it at. So we were, you know, protected. it was definitely a closed course yeah. for sure. So yeah. it was, uh, <laughs> but 107 and you stop and you know, it has the ability to go higher than that, but that's kind of where it's limited because they kind of understand, Hey, you don't need to be going 200 mile an hour anywhere in this vehicle. Um, have you seen what the max speed on a closed course safely is for a, Mustang. <laughs> yes, I, I, I have. I, I did take my Mustang um, to to the uh, quarter mile track here in New Hampshire, uh, and if I remember correctly, it's like it's like one hundred eight or something yeah, in that range. Hours. I forget the exact. Yeah, I forget what the, the exact number is. Um, you know, but it climbs up to power, and it just really just hits a, a plateau where it's not really pulling you any further, yeah. any faster. Yeah, if if you're going 50 miles an hour and somebody pulls up next to you and you try to launch from there, the power delivered isn't going to give you a kick back in the seat the same way it is when you're in that low uh, mileage because the power delivered at that instant, you know, the instant torque that you get when you're zero or five or ten miles an hour launching up to 60, you get that, that mm -hmm. high level torque. But then well, obviously, you know, it, it limits itself well, once you go high. And that area, or if you has, do that fake long control where you kind of hold the hold the brake and the and the accelerator and kind of brake drop or neutral drop, you get a real kick. Oh, I've not done that yet. I've not done that yet. Huh? 
I wonder if you would try it. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> you gotta get the get the get the power built up in the motor, and then just let go of the brake or or drop it from neutral to drive, and well, give you a good old kick. We'll wind well, the turbo up first. We'll so. leave here and go back to that closed track. And, yeah, uh, that closed that track out. and try it out. So, uh, well, and and then also when you're starting to talk about like uh, drag racing and everything, uh, you're from an area that just north of Boston. Obviously, you have uh, New Hampshire Speedway. Um, and then you have Dover, you know, one of my favorite tracks, uh, up there in Dover, Delaware, we're right near the Southern part of, uh, of, you know, uh, Delaware. But, uh, uh, at the same time, when you start looking at the road system that you have around, which is, uh, what is it? 89. And I think 93 goes from Boston North. Is there a lot of charging yeah. networks and everything along that? Cause I mean, you don't have those two, two interstates that run no. through, so. So, so that, that, that's a big issue that we have here in the Northeast, really anything north of, of the major metropolitan, which is Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, it really starts to fall off. So anything, so I'm in the southern part of New Hampshire. Anything from me north is really just a charging wasteland. Um, at best, you're finding some 50 kilowatts, um, but it would, it, would be a, it would be a challenge even for me where I am in the winter to use my Maki to go anyway. to one of the ski resorts, say yeah. Wildcat in the winter or something, make it up there and come back. Well, and I think that's what this Navi program that the federal government is doing. And I believe that, uh, who were we talking to? We were talking to Vermont. Yeah, it was Vermont. Yeah. And obviously New York um, about some charging infrastructure. And I know that's going to happen. So within 50 miles, I just I would also assume that when you start looking at places that's, you know, uh, has harsh winters, that there needs to be a little bit more investment into um, the, I would say, underground um, uh, heating to just basically melt the the snow off of these stations. And then that's where cover would definitely have to kind of happen because you don't want to have to wait for somebody to push two foot of snow out of the yeah. way so you can charge. Um, the, so, the malls and Walmarts around here that do have charging, in the winter you'll, you'll, you'll see that when they plow the the, uh, the parking lot, they, they seem to pile it near the chargers too. <laughs> That's the uh, gas power plower, uh, basically yeah, giving the yeah. glorious middle finger to the charging station. <laughs> yeah, so you near like really like absolutely icing it, right? Yeah, are you near Manchester? I think Manchester and Salem is the only places I've been up that way. Is that kind of where you're from, or near that area? Yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm more I'm more towards the east, so I'm like between Manchester and Portsmouth. Oh, and okay. So you're Seabrook area, exactly. And there's one. Not too far from the actual the nuclear plant, but okay. there's a charging station ah, so, that way. So you wanted to get out of Boston, but you still wanted to be able to drive there during the day if you wanted to. So, yeah, I can, I can, I can go anywhere south. I just, uh, I gotta take the, I gotta take the wife's car um, if I want to go north. So here's an interesting question with you being from the north. How long ago did you buy? I mean, you've owned the Maki. I think you said you had a standard range and now an extended range. Uh, when did you buy your first one? I bought the first one in July of 21. Okay. It was one of the early builds. It was like the, they were called the job ones at the time. So you, wow, that was so you've first. experienced a couple winter cycles. Uh, what is the estimated range of your vehicle and what have you seen it go down to on the bitter cold days? Yeah. So in, in the standard range, when I had that one, um, the EPA rating on that was like, uh, two twenty or something. I forget the number. They, they did boost it up a little bit. Um, but I would see anywhere from like one forty to one eighty on the guessometer. In the okay. in the bitter cold, so you're losing thirty percent almost in that. And what what was yeah, the temperatures when you saw that? Um, that would be <laughs> real cold. Um, you know, don't really want to leave my house cold. Yeah. Um, you know, but any anything under let's let's call it freezing, right? So in the thirties and below, um, you know, as you're in the in the higher thirties, mid thirties, maybe I'm getting that one eighty. But as I get closer to zero, 
uh, I'm, I'm getting closer to that 140. Yeah, see, we don't have zero here that and often. The second drum is the same in my in my extended range, so it's about the same difference. So in the summer, I could see almost three hundred on the gasometer, whereas in winter, I'm going to see low twos. Gotcha. Okay. So you so you are seeing a reduction. I mean, that's something very viable for people considering the EV space to consider. If you live in a bitterly cold area, the marketed range isn't always what it seems. Now, did you use preconditioning in some of the other uh, tools? Do you park in a garage or is it left in the cold? Um, and that's why, and then when, like, you're starting it in the cold. So I do park outside uh, in my driveway. Um, so it is exposed to the elements. Uh, I, in the winter, I tend to leave it plugged in, um, more often than I do in the summer. And then if I, I work from home, but if I do have a, a planned, got to go somewhere the next day, I will set a precondition. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, um, all that it does for the battery, but I was curious if that, um, helped at all. I noticed with my truck, I, I park outside now, but, um, I did park in the garage over the winter. Um, and I was noticing the days, I mean, we don't have as cold as you're seeing there, but the colder days, I saw a little bit less range, um, loss. If I started obviously in the garage warm and then did preconditioning and then left, um, that, that range tended to be better because the battery was already warm and kind of stayed warm with use, um, rather than, you know, be from basically frozen trying to, uh, get right. back, get back going again. But it's an interesting play. I mean, yeah. I think if you live in the North, uh, or anywhere, you know, North of basically the middle of Tennessee, uh, you have to consider the, the cold. Um, and how that plays in with your range because around town you still aren't going to be affected by a 150 mile range on a 200 mile range car um, but at the same time that's something that if you intend to do a lot of road trips in the freezing cold uh, range does does play a factor on the batteries when it's that cold yeah definitely and you know it, it really comes down to people's personal daily use um, the standard range that I had before this extended range for my use, even in the winter in its worst um, case, I always had enough range to do the things that I need to do in, in a day. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I'm a real estate agent primarily um, in, what, in what I've been doing. And so, I mean, around town, on the busiest days, I'm driving maybe 80 to 100 miles. Um, and so, I mean, my, my truck, you know, EPA is 320. Um, so even on the cold days when it was saying 260, 270, um, as long as I'm, I'm, I'm charged up, then I'm, I'm not going to see any sort of range anxiety in that day. Um, there was only once or twice over the winter that I had to take it on a longer stretch. And once it got warmed up, um, then it, it really didn't get, wasn't as affected as, um, as it, you know, as it would have been otherwise. Yep. Still a consideration, but that, that's something that if you plan around it, it's not not the end of the world. But um, if you leave it out in the elements, obviously the range the range will drop. But the EV- it's, just a, it's a different mindset, right? It's you, you know once you've gone to EV, you've got to do uh, you got to think about it a little bit more and do a little bit more planning. But it's not really that much of a pain in the butt. Yeah. And I think once these uh, the charging infrastructure really builds out over the next two years with the federal funding that's pushing out to all these states right now, um, we're going to see a lot more ease and, and less need for planning. I've brought this up probably three times on the podcast, but you know we, you know I took a trip to Florida, and when charging stations are every 120 miles apart, it takes a lot of strategic planning. But when you right. Uh, when you have charging stations every 50 miles, you can be a little say bit there'll more. there'll be 30 charging stations once this is all built out from here to Florida. So Yeah, but the, then in that regard, you can be driving and then be like, okay, I'm starting to get low. Where's the next charger? Rather than that before I leave, I'm having to say, okay, where am I going to make it to? Is there a restaurant nearby that I can go to? Like, it's a lot more strategic planning. That's stressful. Uh, I mean, yeah. it, it's stressful, but um, that's probably why you went from regular uh, battery to extended ranges for that same reason, to get that extra bit of mileage. That way you didn't have to worry about it as much. So uh, now it, it was more, it, it was more the conditions of the market actually made upgrading uh, yep. kind of beneficial to me. And, you know, there's a few niceties that the premium has over the select that, you know, are 
are nice to have. So uh, it was more of a market uh, situation why I upgraded. Yeah, that's perfect it, timing it, too. You probably market, could get a maximum yeah. out of yours and basically upgrade for free. So <laughs> that that was essentially the how how it worked out. I could yeah. I could get rid of the select at close to what I paid for it. Tax credits were available. It was essentially a free upgrade. Yeah. Perfect. Tax credit. Well, last part of this, uh, before we go, what is your next vehicle that you're wanting to go with? Is it, uh, or do you have any? If you had a dream vehicle. Uh, the next uh, one you want Primarily to get. in the EV space. If you could, if you could get anything, what would you get? So there, there, there's two that are, are the ones that I would always go for. Um, one that I actually have one on order considering uh, going through when it becomes available is the Rivian R1S. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of that, of that vehicle. Nice, yeah. yeah. And then, um, the other side, as much as I'm not a huge Volkswagen group fan, the Porsche Taycan. Oh, okay. Yeah. We, I've, we've seen some around here. I, I've not really talked to anybody that had a Taycan. No, I've next seen one. a couple, but I haven't actually uh, talked to a driver. We saw the other day it's when a, we were, tra- go ahead. I was going to say it, it, it's low on range, but it, it does have the faster charging infrastructure um, built in as long as EA can supply that. Much as long as the station works. Yeah, uh, exactly. We, we uh, last week were in Nashville and we stopped at a charging stop and saw a BMW. Uh, and it was the first time I had spoken to one of those drivers, but that was a really sharp uh, and a Mercedes. Yeah. Uh, right beside it was uh, a Mercedes. The BMW and the Mercedes were super sharp. Uh, had a big kidney bean nose on it though i'm not a big fan of that but uh but yeah so was yeah those the SUV are two or the or the coupe suv both yeah, were. yeah yeah kind of smaller than i thought they'd be but again it, it I, I think he, it was shocking for us to see two of those right next to each other right and it was a very large ea station i mean there were i think there were what, eight uh chargers there so and it looked like most of them were working i think two weren't working i mean it was so. pretty much the only supercharger station in nashville so yeah. it's so. going to get a lot of love when for, for people coming through with it being such a busy area yeah so well those I are two good the, choices uh, too though the what i had used the tesla station in mm. new york that has the magic dock um on a road trip that i was doing for work i was driving from new hampshire to uh philadelphia and i stopped at that brewster magic dock on the way down and uh, besides me, there were two of those BMW iXs, the, the SUV, uh, charging at the station as well. Yeah, those magic docks are something else. I think that the, we're going to see a lot more of those come up in the next few months. It's a uh, smart play. Yeah. I mean, with the infrastructure that we're building um, in Tennessee, um, we're looking at having the, the NACS ability on those. But I think uh, Tesla opening up and putting the CCS magic dock, you know, op- opportunity on, it's just smart because then you can double the quantity of drivers that can use your station um, and keep that occupancy yep. at a higher level. Yeah. And just adding that, that Tesla NACS uh, handle to an EA station doesn't really solve the fact that their systems are usually a mess. Yeah. Which is why I've not seen any of them be awarded any of these funds for new stations so yep. far in the last, what, three or four states that have issued um, their awards for the charging systems. I don't think EA has received any. Yeah. Uh, I also don't know if they've even applied for it. Okay. So they may have not applied. And I mean, I think it's infrastructure and, and reliability. And I mean, with our infrastructure that we're building, I mean, we're looking at some high quality charging units and things that way you'll have better uptime and performance abilities that way you're getting yeah still got to defend them though they were the first they've put a lot of infrastructure out there it was the brand new way to go obviously they were treated rough because you are the first and the only ones to use so um i think it's been kind of a hard thing to do and not out of passion that's that's the issue that i have yeah it was built out of punishment not passion yep and, and I don't think they spent the most they could have on the systems that were the best opportunities. When you look at some of the technology they used, it was kind of the bottom of the spectrum. When yeah, it comes I mean, to they, the were going, they were going for cheap. Um, but now I think, I think now they're, they're working on trying to improve, but they're just so far behind that it's a big 
it's a big ass adjustment. You yeah. know, and, and, and this kind of goes into they what our station is. They, they are getting better. I've been to stations and they have yeah, we've, worked. We've been a couple. But I think instead of buying work. some units um, through other manufacturers, I think they're actually manufacturing some of their own units yep. now um, with the size of their company. Um, Multi-billion but, dollar company. So. But, that's, but that's something that I still think that there's a long way to go. Um, and I think that there's some shortcuts that can be uh, bypass, but I think adoption of EVs and use at the stations. I mean, I, I was reading an article that was saying that the highest that Electrify America can expect on a station is 15% occupancy. Um, if you see 25%, your profits go up enough to where you can justify infrastructure expansion, but it's hard to keep a site profitable with demand charges and, you know, electrical infrastructure and upkeep and other things. Demand uh, charges mm-hmm. killing them. Yeah. I so. mean, that's, that's something that if, if you don't have, uh, a good profit margin on these these stations, and that that really does affect your ability to install quality units. Um, obviously, there's not been federal funding up until this up point. Now. You know, yeah. for so. on a, on a large scale at least to to do these projects, and so with that being available now, um, it's going to create more competition, which will force them to improve um, oh. if they want to survive. But EVgo, also, you know, EVgo yeah. won twenty of the locations with pilot gas stations up in Ohio, so that's going to be a huge you know, uh, competitor, if you are Electrify America in Ohio, now you have somebody that probably has as many, if not more stations. So competition. But, and but, EV, but EV go. And mm. competition, yeah. you know. I mean, if, if they don't work, people aren't going to stop there. Yeah. If, they're, if they're too expensive, people aren't going to stop there. It's a hard business model as well, right? Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, if, if you're opening a gas station, everyone needs to gas up the car. A, a charging station is really just intended to extend your journey. It's not your main source of fuel, or at yeah. least in my opinion, it yep. should be your main source of fuel. Yeah. And if you have multiple choices now, what is going to be the attraction? Is it going to be to be able to stop and do something for that 30 minutes while you're waiting? Is it going to be something, you know, where well, this place gives me 10 cents less per KWH than everybody else. So I'm going to stop there because it's cheaper. You know, there's going to be a lot of questions. But and this is an industry that's never had that happen. You know, you, you can have. I think it'll go the, the subscription model route where yeah. you kind of like cell phones in the beginning where you pay, you, you purchase an, uh, an amount of minutes for your phones back in the day, right? I think. Yeah, that would I think be a, a good one. I think a subscription model will probably be the way that it ends up is how I see it. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a lot, a lot to talk about down that vein, but something that, um, you know, obviously we're hoping to see improvements, but, um, it's been great to kind of hear from you. Hopefully we can touch base again at some point and have you back on to talk more about your experiences and things and your Rivian and your Rivian once you get it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep you guys posted, uh, when and if that gets delivered. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today. Um, just, uh, we'll keep in touch. Yep. Well, that this awesome. is, thank you guys. Another episode turned down for what? Thank you. Thank you all. Appreciate it.